The Rough Drafts Podcast is sponsored by Unicorn.com, the world's premier esports betting site. Bet on your favorite games like CSGO, Dota 2, and League of Legends, and earn Unicorns through successful bets, or use Unicorn's exclusive Connect program, where you can earn Unicorns just by playing some of your favorite games. Use your earnings to enter Unicorn's raffles for exciting prizes like Logitech peripherals or CSGO skins. So join Chase and Walter and prove who really is the esports gambling expert. Unicorn.com. Log on today. Chase Redshirt King Wassenaar, and welcome to day 10 of our NALCS 2017 Summer Split Team by Team Preview Podcast Series. So glad I'm not going to have to say that again. It's a very long title for a Until series. Until next spring. You know, look, small victories, Walter. But you know, the team we're talking about today, they didn't have small victories. They had some serious victories on that stage. They came up a little short at the very end, didn't quite live up to the expectations they'd set for us from their regular season performance. But when you compare the trajectory of the team as a whole, I think it's clear that they rose from the ashes of nearly being relegated and have now bloomed into a team that is is a fun team to talk about today. And that is going to be Phoenix One. Walter, how are you doing today? Are you as excited to talk about this team as I am? I, I am, but it is not nearly as excited as last split. I'll be very honest. I am not nearly as excited about this team as I was last split because I have seen some, some weaknesses that really, really need to be fixed if they are, are really going to break into that top two and contend with either TSM or Cloud9. Spoiler, spoiler, spoiler. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's fair. But let's look at the roster they're going to be taking to try to do that. They've got Zig. In the top lane, Inori and Medios both in the jungle. They also got Mike Michael Young. Mike Young, I think, is his, his gamer tag as a substitute jungler. Not sure how much that's going to matter. I know he's a very high ELO challenger player, um, so somebody that maybe they'll give some time to. We'll see. Uh, Ryu in the mid lane, Arrow as the AD carry, and Shady is the support. So let's start with that, Walter, because I think the... The support position for Phoenix One has become a topic of conversation, both because it has been such a tumultuous record so far. Of, you know, they used three different guys last split, but also because obviously Arrow was the MVP last split. You want a great support. This is the support that they wanted. How do you feel about it? Is this the right choice? Um. I mean, it's it's the choice. This is the the decision that they're gonna live with. In all honesty, uh, we'll we'll see how it works. I, I, silly silly me, put stunt on my uh, on my all pro list for uh, for supports because it was more of a protest vote against anyone else that I wanted to give the young guy that had showed a lot of potential, um, the the rub. 
and uh, they didn't end up with him. Adrian obviously left because of his issues with Inori, the jungler. And um, I don't know. I think consistency in the support position so Arrow doesn't have to worry about different laning styles, different philosophies on how to play, um, you know, will help. But I don't... This is, again, like with Dignitas, I don't think the issue truly came 100% from the support position. I think there's a, a bigger issue at play here. Um, but this certainly will help kind of mitigate some of those larger issues of consistency and... Um, and making pra you know, focusing practice on, you know, at least one other position isn't going to be constantly roll sw you know, uh, swapping in and out and having to get used to a different voice, a different shot calling style, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm glad they chose one, not a thousand percent sold on the one they chose though. Yeah. And I, I, I think that's a very fair way of looking at it. I mean, if you look at just the regular season games, uh, in, in his three games there, Shady had a 1.2 KDA. He went 3, 10, and 9. Uh, kill participation below average uh, for the position. Not really any notable stat that you would point to and be like, that's the guy. That's the one I want. Um, he played a lot of Lulu and Karma, which are not very high skill cap champions. Yeah. There's nothing that we have seen that would tell us that he is technically impressive. Um, he played one brand game. It was very bad. So what does this guy actually have as a tool to his arsenal? I think is very much still up in the air. We don't know. I mean, you, you, you can hit shields. Great. Uh, does he hit the skill shots that they're going to need? Does he have the same global awareness that they're going to need? Are they, is he going to have the synergy with arrow to bounce off and, and keep that laning phase going? We don't know. We got almost no evidence to back it up either way. But what we've seen so far hasn't been great. And I think that's something that is concerning moving forward. But, I mean, we do have to talk about Arrow here, right? The MVP, a guy who dominated the conversation of AD carries last split. Do we, do we believe this is something they can do again? Do they have the tools needed to play through that bot lane, especially in the meta we're seeing right now? How, strong, how far can Arrow take them? I mean, Arrow... Arrow was only take him, able to take him to third place. I think a ton of their success hinged on on Arrow, uh, especially the late, you know, later as the season went on. I think early on in the season it really was um, the Inori Adrian Ryu kind of roaming synergy, and as the season progressed, it then turned into Zig controlling the top lane and coming into the bot lane and playing through the bottom lane and doing the put a ward behind the enemy bot lane turret, teleport to the ward, five man dive the bot turret. Take the bot turret, pressure the second one, try to trade the second one for, you know, half chip damage on the top one, or go to Dragon and teleport your Shen back top lane to stop the... Like, it's a lot of this very calculated, consistent play, and, and that's really where their bread and butter was. Um, when they were not successful, it was when Arrow got caught out, and I've said before on the podcast, I don't know how much of that is Arrow's fault of positioning, toward or is it you know the tanks and the rest of the team running away and there's that slight you know language discrepancy that ryu has to hear the call in english and then say in in korean to arrow or arrow's english is not a thousand percent perfect so it takes him that second to process it um i don't know i the thing that that worries me about this team is just the consistency from the jungle because this team really needs it's stud to play like a stud. 
Um, Arrow is it's absolutely fantastic, but it does take some time for an eighty carry to scale up. You cannot expect your eighty carry at minute two to just start styling the game and completely control the entire flow of the game. There are you know circumstances when that can happen, but the eighty carry position is supposed to be fragile in that early game, or trades you know late game scaling for that early kind of laning phase like Lucian has and trades that for the power that they get in the mid, late, and the late game. So the jungler has a lot of power in the early game, and then it trails off into the end game, and he changes you know, from being the carry out early on, talking about Kha'Zix and Lee Sin, and to something else in the late game. And the problem is Inori, out of all the talented young NA junglers, the Dardox, the Acadians, the Contracts, the Moons, he's the least consistent out of the bunch. And even when he came back after his, his family issues and after Adrian had left, he was still inconsistent. He had some games where you thought, yes, he is as good as these other guys, and he had some games where you looked at his positioning, when you looked at his decision-making, you just get, ah, damn. But this has been his problem every year that he's played. He's had to, you know, he's missed some games for, you know, visa reasons or X, Y, or Z, and then every one of the rest of them, you either get him at his ceiling or you get him, you know, plummeting to his floor. And... I don't know how much more you can ask Arrow and Ryu and Zig to do. At some point, these other two players really have to start carrying their weight on a game-to-game -game basis and not just have these flashes in the pan because this isn't about beating Immortals and Team Liquid and Envious and you know this you know second-tier and lower team. This is about Phoenix One. Can they compete with TSM and Cloud9? And TSM and Cloud9, when you look at their players... Their inconsistencies are very few and far between, especially now that TSM has gone back to double lift. There, yes, there is that one game that double lift has where he kind of loses his brain and he plays awfully, but that's like one game in an 18 series season. It's not every other game, and that's what it feels like with Inori, is that every other game, you're bouncing back and forth between good Inori and bad Inori and middle-of-the-road Inori, and, oh, he made one good play in the early game, but now he made a bad play in the late game. It's just too, too much Pong here. Choose one spot and stick with it, and I'd rather see Inori at 75% of his stealing, uh, you know, 16 series out of the split, than see him at his stealing 100%, you know, eight games and see him at his bottom you know at his floor eight games and then two games are somewhere in the middle it's just i i want consistency out of it well and i understand where you're coming from on that i mean certainly a a younger player you know we talk about him like yeah we've seen this before and I, but you know overall it was very limited play uh up until this split this is really the first full split we got to see from him certainly we'd like to think that he would improve from that to a certain extent mm -hmm. I think that if you look over his career, the one thing that should be giving Phoenix One fans hope for his development is just how good he has been on tankier champions. His Rek'Sai has historically been his best champion in competitive play. It's very good. He's and that which speaks to a uh, being able to be a, a tankier initiator and b just having uh, the map pressure that comes with that. If he gets a champion that is able to control the map that way, he tends to look very good. It's the reason that his Ivern was very good. Um, that had 29.0 KDA in the two games he played it in the playoffs, which is just absurd. What that means for them as a team moving forward, I, I think, has to depend on where you think Meteos' role in this team is moving forward. And that's the thing that we really need to get to with the jungle, because it's not just, is Inori going to take the leap? It's, 
what is Meteos giving you on a day-to-day -day basis? And does trying to go back and forth between these two have a role in some of the inconsistency that you're seeing? Do we believe that Inori would be more consistent if he was getting 100% of the reps and getting 100% of the attention in terms of development in that regard? Where do you stand on that, Walter? Where do you see that dual jungle aspect affecting this team? And, and this is another aspect of the consistency. If Inori is not consistent, then there is always this, well, okay, well, let's fall back on Medios. And it's like when you're talking about young quarterbacks. It, it, it's a situation that Mitch Trubisky and Mike Glennon are going to have on the Chicago Bears. Really, really topical, obscure sports reference here. But you have a young player that they just drafted uh, with the second pick of the NFL draft this year. Mike Lennon signed to a, a decent contract. He's been around for a few years, but he's just coming off of his rookie contract where he spent it in Tampa Bay, where he also had to split snaps with Jameis Winston, who the Bucks drafted and then supplanted him as the starter. Both of these guys are young. Both of these guys the Bears are confident in could be their starter. But from day one, they have to practice with the, the, ones, the, the first team. They have to practice with their number one wide receiver and their number one offensive line and their number one running back in order for them to get any synergy with those guys. If you have 100 snaps in practice, how do you divvy up the snaps so that both guys get an equal chance to prove themselves on the state You know, with that team? Of course, logic says, oh, 50-50. Okay, well, Mitch Trubisky, when he starts out as a rookie, he's not going to look as good as Mike Lennon, so you're probably going to start him with fewer snaps, so it's like 20% of snaps. And, and you're wasting all this time where you can either just pick one guy, say, he's the guy, we're going to learn just how to play with him, get him familiar with the receivers, get him familiar with their spots, get him familiar with the offensive line and everything moving around. And that's part of this consistency issue that I have with Phoenix One. I get that you needed to bring in a sub for Inori to, you know, while he was gone. If he's not in the country and he's not able to play, you can't play him. But the second he came back, if he's not your guy and it's going to be Medios, then just stick with Medios. Instead, it was this kind of wishy-washy, you know, we don't know which guy's going to start, blah, blah, blah. Like, I get they're two distinct players. They have two distinct play styles, and that gives you an advantage. That Medios can play more farm style, more control style, and Inori is more of the hot spark plug that's going to come in and is going to go, you know, 5-0 and in the first 10 minutes, whatever. That can be a strategy. But at the end of the day, then your consistent players, the guys that are constantly there, Zig, Ryu, uh, Arrow, and I guess not the support over the, over the spring, but the support player now has to get used to it practice and on the stage, okay, which which jungler are they bringing? Oh, okay, they're bringing in Medios. So now this changes our early game to Medios is probably not going to invade as much. Now he's going to come gank, so that means now I have to go change this ward and, and, and clear this bush and make sure this bush is warded. And your mindset changes when you're playing with two entirely different players. So that's my issue here is, yeah, it's cool that you have two junglers that you're both confident in, but you're divvying up your play time too much. You're divvying up your practice time, and you're not telling your, your guys that are there 100% of the time, listen, this is the guy we want to trust. This is the guy we're going with. Learn how to play with him. You're telling him we're not sure about either of them. Learn how to play with both. And that really kind of puts you in this awkward position. Yeah. And I think that was the problem with the support position last split. And I guess, yeah. like you said, we're glad that Shady's the one guy. I don't know if he's the right guy, but at least he's the one guy. They don't have one guy in the jungle. Hell, they might have just added a third guy yeah. in the jungle. Like, they took a flyer on a guy who, for the record, I think is, is very raw but has some talent. And I would love the idea 
They're like, oh, yeah, we're trying to get him some reps so that by 2018, maybe even 2019, Mm -hmm. he's ready to hit the stage as a star. I love that idea. But that can't speak well of your belief in Inori, who's still relatively young. Certainly doesn't speak well of Medios, who could be a sustainable long-term option, I I think, still at this point in his career, if they really wanted him to be. I'm a little bit lower on Medios than some other people, just because I feel like he's very champion-dependent. The difference between him on Zack and him on anything else is absurd. His Zack artificially inflates his And we don't even know how good We don't even know how good his Zack is going to be now that he's been changed. Oh, yeah, no. It's just a huge problem that no one wants to talk about, and maybe it might be a reason that we don't see as much of Medios at the beginning of the split, but we don't know, and the fact that we don't know what the plan is is probably the bigger concern of anything else. I mean, there are very few teams that have had two players at one position and used both regularly and had that thing be a thing that made their team better. You know, Faker and Izihun is the only one that you would even point to, and Izihun was there for very specific matchups. Jungle, it's harder to do that for because jungle is so much more team reliant and, and, and focusing on their goals for the team, you'd almost have to have them be wired in a, in a completely different way and have that particular wiring be the exact thing that you're looking for. I, I just, I, I struggle to see it in the same way. I think that as a whole, this produces two potentially weak play, you know, players at are weaker players because they're having to spend these reps at two supposedly really important shot calling positions too which people sometimes I would imagine underrate you would imagine you'd want your junglers to be making a lot of decisions right like those are the guys that are supposed to be dictating the early yeah, plays because the they can maneuver around the map like it's pretty hard not to is it going to be shady like Shady as a support, that's another position that gets it a lot. It, it's, I mean, Arrow and Ryu, I'm not sure how their English is. So Zig? Like, I don't know. But the fact that we don't know these things for a team that played as well as we believe they did last split, it's kind of disconcerting. I don't know if it's just more about Phoenix 1 or the quality of teams around them in the NALCS. But Walter, ultimately, with all these things taken into account where do you think this team ends up third still not in the top two third i still don't think they touch cloud nine or tsm but i still think they're better than the rest i think that's fair (laughs) i mean i i'm right there with you i i mean i think this team is still very good uh regardless of whether you put inori or medios this is a region that doesn't necessarily have a wealth of high caliber jungle talent they'll both probably be fine if we're not talking about the best teams in the league. Uh, Zega's played well. Ryu's still really good. Arrow was a god last split. That's enough. That's enough to be the third best team in North America, unless they take a significant step back, which you would think, with hard carry 80 carries being in the meta, that plays perfectly into what Arrow's looking for. Uh, Kog'Maw's might be back. Uh, Arrow's Kog'Maw's. It's going to be fun. Oh, for those of you who don't watch LCK, oh, man, if Kog'Maw becomes a staple AD carry, teams are going to first ban that against them. And if it ever gets through... Oh, man, it's fun. It could be fun. It's very fun. 
I, I'm looking forward to it. And hopefully you've been looking forward to this podcast series, but I hope you're looking more forward to the actual regular season. We have games this weekend. I'm so hyped. It's time for all of these predictions and these conversations to be put aside for actual gameplay that we can analyze and break down and see how these teams really made the most of their offseason or the least, depending on how things go. It's certainly going to be fun. Uh, if you guys enjoyed these videos, uh, please stick around. We do our Guess the Lions episodes. We'll have the E one out on Wednesday, Thursday for North America. We go through every single game, do our previews, and frame it using the gambling lines by our lovely sponsors at Unicorn. Uh, it's a lot of fun, and we'd love to have you guys stick around. Uh, and, of course, if you guys like Fantasy LCS, you should also join us on that. Discord link is in the description of this video. Uh, it, we have opened that Discord up. Come join in. The fans we have on there already are awesome. If you got to this point of the podcast, you're probably awesome too. So just join us. Let us know you're interested in a draft, and we can make that happen on Tuesday, i.e. the day that this episode comes <laughs> out. So go now. Do the thing. It'll be great. And... Of course, you can keep this conversation going and talk to us about anything we talked about today. We do read all the comments, whether it be on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, whatever else. Walter, where can the nice people at home find you? Yeah, you guys can find me at CDs underscore LOL. I can't wait to draft five TSM players and just crush the competition. Uh, I think if you were able to pull that off, there's a lot wrong with the rest of our fantasy drafts. So... Uh, not even for the memes, Walter, will we let that come to pass. But you guys should come back and uh, hang out with us for these Guess the Lines episodes, for our prediction episodes, which will be coming out tomorrow with all of our locked-in predictions for the summer split. No more wishy-washy. Like, oh, they'll be around this range. We're going all in. And until then, bye. Hey there, C80s here. Thanks for checking out the podcast. And if you enjoyed today's episode, consider supporting us at www.patreon.com backslash roughdraftspod. For just a dollar a month, you can join your fellow listeners in our patron-only Discord channel and help keep the content coming. Or join our VIP club, where a dollar a show or eight bucks a month gets you first priority on all patron content, like our patron-only Q&As. And check us out on all of our social media, Twitter, at RoughDraftsPod, Facebook.com, backslash RoughDraftsPod, SoundCloud.com, backslash EsportsRoughDrafts, as well as on iTunes and YouTube by just searching for the Rough Drafts Podcast. Thanks for listening, and goodbye, Internet.